This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey everyone, and welcome to this uh, week's episode of Jackets Debrief. I uh, do want to apologize to anyone who missed our midweek show. Not that you missed it, I missed it. Uh, my apologies. Uh, Wednesday, if you're an American, was a wild and crazy day. Um, in in just every terrible way it could be. So uh, I'll be honest, what happened that day uh, got kind of wrapped up in the news. Um, and before I knew it, it was well past the time, and I got, got an email from uh, from the network saying, hey, your, when's your show coming in tonight? I was like, oh, nuts, guys. Sorry about that. That didn't happen. So my apologies, guys. Uh, shouldn't happen again. Uh, again, we hopefully are past the whole making history part of the year. Please let us be past that. I'm so tired of living through historical events at this point. Can I just live through the boring part of history again? That would be beautiful. That was my life in the 90s. That was my life in the aughts. Well, the exception of a few things, obviously. But let's go back to living in boring times. I think we would all appreciate that very much. Anyway, starting with the beer of the week. Not really a true beer, more of a hard seltzer there. Um, Kitty Paw from the folks at Seventh Sun Brewing. Um, This is a... What is this? Cherry Passion Fruit. So we're going to go with this. Uh, see how this goes today. Not a big fan of the smell, that's for sure. I'll be honest, if this is just one of those hard seltzers, I haven't really had those yet. So we'll see how this goes. It's very pretty. Looks almost like a flavored soda, like a Sprite or something. Bottoms up. I expected that to be a lot sweeter than it is. It's just a, uh, it's good. It's, it's solid. It's all right. I'll be honest. I'm not in love with it. Uh, maybe hold shelters just aren't my thing. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's good. Um, if you want something sweeter, if you're looking to get something to take with you when maybe everybody else has got beer and you're wanting to not be left out on that, it's a nice little option there. It's pretty good. I, I'm not I'm not against it there, that's for sure. Um, so anyway, jumping into the news of the week. Probably the big first story this week for the Blue Jackets. There was a couple of big stories, but one that I really want to take a minute to talk about is the whole uh, practice being drastically reduced. Um, for players this week. Um, at one point this week, out of an abundance of uh, caution and uh, in part of their COVID-19 protocols, the Blue Jackets had 21 players missing from a practice this week on Friday. Now, it could have been worse. The Dallas Stars, I believe, have got delays to their first couple of games um, because of an outbreak there. I've said this on Twitter. I want to say it to all of you guys. Be prepared for this this season. Do not be shocked if games are rescheduled. Um, 
I saw some people on uh, Blue Jackets Facebook talking about, oh, I'm going to you know, book a flight and go down and watch them play in Florida because we don't know if we're going to get to see them play in Columbus, which I, I, my guess is by the end of the season we'll have some games where fans can attend in Columbus. That's mostly based on the fact that the Cavaliers are starting to get uh, approvals to get some fans. So I think the Blue Jackets probably get similar approvals. Me personally, I'm not going back till I've had the vaccine. That's just where I'm at on this. Um, but the reason if you're one of those people who says, Hey, I'm going to book a flight down to down to Florida or, you know, to, to Dallas, cause they're going to allow some people and all that stuff. Keep in mind this at any given point, these games could be rescheduled unless you are very easy to work with, unless you, you know, your flights have got all sorts of assurances that if something goes wrong and you got to reschedule, it's fine. Same with your hotel rooms. Be cautious, because uh, as a Browns fan, they're preparing for the playoffs this week. I think they've gotten to be able to do one practice because of all the COVID stuff. These games will be rescheduled at the drop of a hat. The, some games may just be outright canceled. As a fan, be prepared that uh, by the end of the season, we're going to be seeing a... Uh, be prepared that by the end of the season, we're probably going to have some teams having played more games than others. And that we're going to just have a a situation where we've got a few te- where essentially is going to be decided by playoff by points percentage for the playoffs. That's just what we're going to be seeing. Uh, I don't really see a way around that. I just I don't see them getting every game done. Football's been able to get it through, uh, but then again, football they plowed through some situations. I mean, they literally made one team play a game without any quarterbacks. I would rather the NHL allow game some games to be canceled than just allow for games that are kind of mockeries honestly um because i mean i could see this going into a game where there's a team that's like oh we don't have a goalie and the nhl is like oh the equivalent of what happened in the nfl would be as if the blue jacks were going to a game and you had all three goalies down they're like well I, I call somebody up just have somebody and it's like I, they haven't played with the team or, or if the NHL is just like, nope, doesn't matter. You have to put in whoever you got. I mean, that that would be kind of be the equivalent to what the Denver Broncos had to do in a game. The the Browns nearly missed the playoffs, uh, in my opinion, partially because they had a game against the Jets where, uh, like two days before the game, their whole receiving core, all four starting wide receivers were ruled out because of COVID. These things are going to happen. Um, just be prepared that you're going to be seeing games rescheduled, games postponed. That's just going to be part of it. So it, it stinks, but it's this or nothing. I mean, that's that's really the, the situation we're in. Um, other big story this week. Good news. Oliver Bjorkstrand signs a five-year extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Woo! Somebody wants to be here. I am excited about it. Uh, after all of the garbage with the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation and people discussing that, which we're going to do more of here because, hey, we are nothing if not suckers for punishment. Um. Pierre-Luc Dubois, or Oliver Bjorkstrand signed a five-year deal, uh, average annual value of a $5.4 million. It's pretty similar to what we're seeing around the league where year one's 4.5, year two, 5.25, then 5.35, fourth year's 5.9, last year's $6 million. The reason you're going to see that with a lot of contracts going forward is uh, you need to keep in mind that with the way the collective bargaining agreement was done. Um, 
there there's guarantees for less escrow years from now than there is this year this year uh, meaning how much money the league can hold back to try and make sure they get their 50 50 in revenue so players are wanting most of these deals uh, um matthew barzal just did his deal with the islanders and it's something like three years average annual value of seven and it's something like four seven ten or something i mean so that last so he really is this year he's like that's fine i don't need as much and then those following years, it's really building up. So that's what we're getting out of Oliver Bjorkstrand. Good news for Blue Jackets fans. Um, Bjorkstrand is now the going to is this Blue Jackets signed for the longest on this team. So if you've been holding off on getting a new jersey, Bjorkstrand's the way to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were kind of joking about that on the last show because, with the exception of Cam Atkinson, no one was signed past the next three seasons. Well, now we've got Bjorkstrand signed for the next six. So. That's that's cool, and he's a great player. It's it's a great fit. Um, Don Lashusian put out his his stat for it and or his his graph that he normally does on Twitter, which you can always go find. And the good news was that Bjorkstrand's contract, essentially for the entirety of the contract, is set to his quality of play will probably exceed the value of the contract for the entirety of the deal, which is what you want. You want surplus wins out of a contract. You want. And what that means essentially is, you know, if the average player makes X amount of dollars and the average player's worth, you know, so, so many wins or so, so many goals or whatnot, you want to have a player worth more. And that's what we're getting out of Bjorkstrand, which is spectacular. He's a great player for this team. Um, I'm I'm happy to see him locked up long-term. He is a good example of a kind of a Yarmo Kekalani kind of player where it's, you know, drafted, develops in the system, takes his time. Uh, if you don't remember, he got the game-winning goal in Cleveland when they won the uh when they won the Calder Cup a few years back. So so it's a good deal for the Blue Jackets. I'm very happy to see them locked up long term there. So uh we're gonna hear a quick message from our friends for the hockey podcast network and we will be right back after that. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Wanna fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and benders there. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, went and grabbed that graph from Dom Lashusian because um, I wanted to share it with everyone. And if you haven't looked at these before that he's got on Twitter, uh, it's, a, it's a really kind of cool way of breaking things down. And what it does is project, projected... Uh, um, projected though, it's it's essentially a wins above replacement, above an average player um, for him. So far in his career, Bjorkstrand's been, his first few years, he was pretty average. 1.3 wins above average, 1.3 wins, one win above average in 2019. Last year, he was a 2.4 win average above, 2.4 wins above average for a player. Um, And I, I mean, essentially his market value based on how good he's been is he should be roughly an $8 million a year player. So the fact that he's not is huge for the blue jackets and that they've got him for the deal that they've got him for. 
And I mean, he's 25. So when he's done, he'll be 31. Maybe he'll sign another deal after that based on how good he is. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's projecting a lot into the future at that point. So I wouldn't be too uh, wrapped up in what we're going to see in the future out of, out of that second deal. But these are the kind of team, this is the kind of thing that, that, Yarmo Kekalainen wanted to do when he was building this team. Get a lot, get good players, really good players, and try and get them locked up, uh, you know, under term, players that you've developed. Um, and, and I mean, regrettably, we all know that's not how the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation is turning out. But it was a really interesting piece uh, by Allison Lucan on First Ohio Battery this week. And it was about trying to estimate the trade value for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it was using a lot of analytic stuff. Um, that, that same metric there that Dom was using GSVA and a lot of it just kind of confirmed things that I thought like the, the one that's been talked about a lot out there is this idea of doing a one for one Patrick line a for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. No, that's a bad idea. That's not a, that's not a trade that should ever be made by the blue jackets. It's not something you ever want to see them do, uh, because it's <sighs> line a already is at a higher price point in his career. Um, and he's a winger, so he doesn't have the value that a center does. And he doesn't produce as much value as Pierre-Luc Dubois does. Um, and I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois is as good as he's going to be yet. I think we may have seen the best Patrick Laine has. Now, maybe I'd be wrong. I, I like the guy. I want him to have a big, long, great career. But I just don't think he's not worth the trade. He's not worth the trade at all. That's my opinion on it. If the, if the, uh, something about this kitty paw, the more I'm getting into it, the scent is just not appealing. And maybe that's hurting the, the overall taste on it. Cause it's kind of sweet, but it's not just not great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like that, but I, I would. I'm going to re- <laughs> readjust my uh, recommendation all over the show saying, oh, it's a good thing to pick up if you don't like beer. Nah, get a get a hard cider or something. Get something different. That's that's not what I would drink. Anyway, um, another interesting one, and and this one may be the idea for its leave, you know, since Barzal's re-signed his deal. It's not, it uh, doesn't feel as imperative, but the idea of, and, and this, this trade when it gets brought up is always, Reminding me of Hamilton there. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois for Matthew Barzal. And and the problem there isn't that Matthew Barzal necessarily wants out of New York. It's the situation that the Islanders are wrapped up in a weird cap situation where they just... They've signed so many players for long term that it's coming back to bite them a bit. And they're not great difference-making players. I mean, they've got Anders Lee under contract for another six seasons at $7 million. They've got Nel- Brock Nelson under contract for five seasons at six. Um, they signed John Gabriel Pajot for another six years at $5 million. I, These players just aren't worth it. Now, the thing is, what the Islanders have done, because they signed a three-year deal, they've got one more RFA year after that for Matthew Barzell to try and sign a big long-term deal. At that point, a couple of these $5 million deals will have fallen off the books, like Andrew Ladd will no longer be under contract. Um, Nick Letty, uh, Thomas Hickey at two and a half will be off. 
Uh, Semyon Varlamov, who's got a three-year deal at $5 million, he'll be off, and at that point, he'll be 35. So they probably won't have a problem making that contract work in three years. But the idea here was, you know, Dubois wants to be on a bigger stage, and, I, and New York would fit that. Barzal is going to be a big ticket, which the Blue Jackets can afford and are set up to afford. Um, again, it makes me think of the Hamilton lyric from uh, The Room Where It Happened. Where it's maybe we should trade, you know, maybe we can solve one problem with another. And and that was the idea here. Um, what's interesting about this contract when I saw it is that, or, or this trade on the on their thing is, they've got these two players ranked really closely. And it's the kind of thing that when you look around the league, I think Matthew Barzal has talked about as a bigger deal. But when you look at their numbers and how much they affect the games, Barzal and Dubois are really close. So it maybe the Blue Jacks need to throw in a little extra something to get a deal like that done. I don't know. Now I'm not sure if the Islanders are going to move on from Barzal. I think they're in a happy situation. Um, I do think, I mean, Barzal, they were talking about people saying that his his comparable, he wanted a, 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 a much minor deal. So if you if we get to the next end of that contract and they're like, hey, it, this is the thing. Two years from now, Pierre-Luc Dubois has got another year as an RFA. Matthew Barzal will be in the final year of his deal so we can start talking about a new deal. If Barzal sits down across from them, sits down across from the Islanders and says, I want 11 or I want 12 a year. And the Islanders think we can't afford that or we can't make it work with our cap, which might happen. I don't know. I don't think the Islanders have a problem with wanting to spend actual money. It's just they don't have. Maybe there's a cap issue. I don't know. At this point, Lou Lamarillo, the way he manages the cap, maybe they'll have the right room. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, But I think the Blue Jackets, it's another deal that I think the Blue Jackets will still be open for because the Blue Jackets, as of right now, in three years, the Islanders project to have, uh, I mean, tons of cap space, but most teams do because so many contracts will run out by then. Uh, but the Blue Jackets would still be in a space where they can trade rights on, on Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is really, really something there. Um, at that point, you start working it, looking into package deals. Um, maybe you move multiple pieces. There's some other interesting things in here. I would recommend reading through the uh, article to, to see that. Um, the ones that get interesting are when you start talking about the Canadians. Now, something that doesn't happen in this article, and, and it may be because we don't have enough information on these players yet, but if the Blue Jackets were to move Dubois to the Canadians, uh, either Suzuki or Kedodiemi is coming back because um, the Blue Jackets want that center. And and honestly, if you're the Canadians, the reason to make that move for Dubois is if you think we want to win now. And honestly, there's probably some marketing in it. The idea of having your number one center, one of your stars being French Canadian is something the uh, the Canadians are in love with. Uh, Montreal Canadians. I mean, I've heard it talked about for years when you talk about the Montreal Canadians, when they're looking for a coach, they're not looking for the best coach. They're looking for the best coach that speaks French. They want a coach. They need, it, it seems like more than any other market in the NHL, they want and need people who kind of connect with that French Canadian fan base. And, and I think if the opportunity is there to trade for a potential French Canadian star as your number one center, 
it may be too much for them. They may want to make that deal. And I think the Canadians are a team who have young center depth that could make that deal happen. Um, so that that's my my take there. I mean, if I were a betting man and I was saying, where does Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he's not on the Blue Jackets in three years, where is he? I think I put my money with the Canadians because I think the Canadians have the assets that would entice the Blue Jackets. I think there's a... I, I think I, I I mean part of my feeling is that that's where Pierre Luc Dubois wants to be, um, and and I think the Canadians have the assets. The Blue Jackets would be fine. You know, we could make a deal. Um, and, and I know the Canadians are up against the cap this year, but they drop some guys next year. I mean, Thomas Tatar comes off the payroll. Um, Philip Deneau comes off the payroll. I mean that's that's seven eight million dollars right there. Um, so in the two years after you know after Dubois' next deal is up and the, the contract starts looking like a thing that's going to happen again, uh, it, it's something that could definitely happen there. So I I could see that being I could see that being a fit. Um, and and Nick Suzuki would be going into his first RFA negotiation. So maybe when that happens, that's when we see the deal. I don't know. It, it's just a thought. Um, just trying to estimate that right now. Again, the thing I've been saying about the Blue Jackets is they've got time with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. You've got the player again. If Yarmo Kekalainen doesn't find a deal he wants, I could see Yarmo just walking him right to free agency on four and and having him for the next four years. If someone gives us a deal we want, I can see him making the deal. But I don't see him taking a deal he doesn't want just to get the player moved. I I see Yarmo Kekalainen saying. Until somebody gives him something that he says is worth, maybe something where in that final year, if somebody's offering him something, he goes, you know what, that's worth more than one year of Pierre-Luc Dubois. He might take something that feels like an underpayment, but I doubt it. So that's my kind of my view on it. Uh, we're in the first week of training camp, or we're in training camp. There's the scrimmages going on. Uh, you can see the first full one on YouTube. I believe they're going to be doing the second one here soon. Nobody knows anything yet. Um, I mean, there's this whole, oh, this player kind of looks good. This player kind of looks good. We'll see. We'll discuss it more when we actually get to where players are and what's happening there. Um, Last story I want to talk about this week. Corey Crawford is retired uh, from the NHL. He's a goaltender that's kind of consistently been uh, given the Chris Osgood treatment. Kind of everybody said, well, he, he did it because he was on a good team. When you look at his underlying numbers, eh, he, he seems like he's always a really good goalie. Um, it's a player where he signed to go to New, the New Jersey Devils and then decided he he didn't want to do it. Um, earlier this week, there was something where he left camp to deal with what they called personal reasons and then announced the retirement. You know, dude changed his mind. I get it. Uh, it's one of those things where he'd spent his whole career in Chicago, had a great run, goes to camp with the Devils, I don't know if it's something with the Devils where he realized I'm in a rebuilding situation. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe there's a different situation with family. Maybe there's something where he was away from people. I don't know. I mean, it'd be all speculation, but I mean, here's the thing. (laughs) When you've had a job like, you know, an NHL player and you've been able to bank, theoretically been able to bank millions of dollars, why do something where you're not happy? (laughs) I mean, honestly, unless the payday is just that good. If you've got the money in the bank, do what you want and be happy with it. I mean, 
that, that's the reason you did all those years in the NHL anyway, right? I mean, to, to be able to have that freedom and do what you want to do. So congrats to him. Congrats to a great career there. Uh, good for him. Big news. Next time we talk, guys, we will be... I Next time I record is going to be Wednesday night. And we will be 24 hours away from the first Blue Jacks game of the season. They're going to be playing the... Uh, the Predators, it's going to be nuts. I, I'm getting excited. Um, let me, guys, let me know on, on Twitter or, or on comments on these videos or, or however you want to. You can always email me, frank at jacketsdebrief.com. Uh, I'm thinking what we're going to do going into the season here uh, because it's going to be such these, these almost series type events with different teams. We'll probably try and do more things where we're talking with those you know, with the guy, other guys on the network that host for those teams. So we just got a better sense of this. We're going to get to know these other seven teams really well over the course of the season. So maybe that, that'll be the way we go here. But uh, guys, I want to thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for however you get into this show. Um, and hey, for the last time we do a show where there's not going to be a game after it, go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.